Hello, students, and welcome back to the Lore of the Iron Kingdoms with me, Professor Caster. And today we will be talking about one of my personal favorites, the Mana War of the Kadoran Army. We're going to be going over every single thing that holds the Mana War titles, including a little preface of what the Mana War actually is, or who they are, or how they're made, all sorts of stuff. So, before we begin, thank you guys so much for listening, and if you are enjoying this, please like, subscribe, let your friends and fellow gamers know about this, keep this steam train rolling as always. Thank you again to Privateer Press for letting us read their phenomenal lore, and let's begin in the archives. The Man of War, encased in mechanical armor that grants them the strength of a steam jack. The Man of War soldiers are Kodor's heaviest infantry. Lacking the resources to produce great numbers of warjack quality cortexes, Kodor prefers to build the heaviest warjacks possible. Instead of relying on the light warjacks fielded by rival powers, Kodor turns its greatest resources, its people, into steam-powered engines of tireless destruction. Slow and ponderous, yet able to weather the storm of battle, Manowar troops both hold battle lines and advance on the heaviest enemy positions. Despite the obvious strength and their impenetrable armor, drawbacks do exist. The steam boiler integrated into the armor's metal shell makes Manowar troops susceptible to heat stroke and exhaustion. Worse, the occasional steam leak can cook a soldier alive, yet Manowar soldiers never complain or ask for comfort. They are proud of their tradition and willingly embrace the risk of the order to serve their country. Support mechanics frequently travel alongside Man of War platoons to see their armor, and so long as the equipment is properly maintained, fatal accidents are very rare. Very rare, but not never. And I've seen some steam guys end up getting uh, getting cooked alive in their suits, but one of the nice things about traveling with a Man of War regiment is you don't usually have to worry about frostbite. Ever. Weirdly enough. Alright, let's begin with their staple, Man of War Shock Troopers. Soldiers who retire from battle become no more than old sad men. They shrivel away to nothing and huddle by their hearths to await death's release. I will not fade like that. When my time comes, I will die in steam. Dedrick Harkonos, a veteran Man of War Shock Trooper. Because fabricating warjack cortexes in Kodor requires rare materials and short supply, the Kodoran Mechanic Assembly had long sought a viable supplement to these expenses and precious weapons. And in 470 AR, Jahimir Vinhavinov, sorry, Kodoran names, came upon a solution that was simplicity itself, transforming men into steam-powered man-of-war wrecking crews. The man-of-war suit of armor is a miraculous creation imbuing the soldier with almost the same strength, durability, and protection against the elements as a warjack. There are drawbacks of wearing heavy battle armor powered by steam boilers, however. Man of War troops are susceptible to heat stroke and exhaustion and occasional steam leaks can cook them alive in minutes. Despite these possibilities, one will never hear a Man of War complaining or asking for comfort, for they are proud of their traditions and willingly embrace the risk in the service of the military. Man of War shock troopers wield powerful annihilator blades, one stroke of which can split the armor of light warjacks and wholly eviscerate a mere man. As with more traditional armor, heavy infantry, they can file into ranks and lock their shields in formation, but each shield also boasts a powerful short-range cannon. 
Though the shock troopers prefer to rely on their blades, the cannon blast gives them an added reach and versatility on the battlefield. Only the most steadfast soldiers earn the right to wear the man of war armor, though many jump at the opportunity. After all, it is not every day that you can experience the world from a warjack's perspective. And I've worked with these guys a lot. And for somebody that already has a pretty astounding armor, the moment they lock into shields, they're almost impenetrable. Being that uh, in game game setup, they're actually get up to a 19 armor, which is kind of astounding for a just a regular medium class model. And these guys are super accurate with their weapons because, well, these guys are specialists. They're not just the rank and file that you'd see in a Winter Guard regiment. These guys are specialists and veterans and... Yeah, and they live in those suits, so they very rarely leave. Also, why would you leave? Kodor's very cold, and well, it's always going to be warm in a Man of War suit. But let's read about their Man of War Shock Trooper officers. Also, thank you, Iron Kingdom's wiki, because weirdly enough, there is breaks in the archives that we have for these guys, so... I rely on Iron Kingdom's wiki quite a few times. Man of War shock trooper officers are veterans of countless conflicts. Many of these soldiers fight for a decade in the distinctive armor before earning their officer's commission and being issued a weapon befitting of their station, the Frost Axe. This mechanical innovation is based on the same arcane technologies as the Juggernaut's Ice Axe and designed with the same debilitating intent to freeze whatever it fails to slaughter outright immobilizing machinery and rendering flesh numb and useless. The weapon alone do not make a man. Only the strongest and most steadfast soldiers can hope to join the ranks of the Man of War Corps. Yet, even among these men have risen above others to claim their rank. These officers embody the strength and resilience of the frozen North and, like their homeland, bow to no opposition. The enemies of the motherland rightfully fear these indomitable warriors and their inexhaustible tide of steam and steel that marches alongside them. As they wade into bloody fray amid the thunderous war of cannon fire, the decorated veterans inspire those they lead in acts of unparalleled bravery and unfettered violence. And I've seen these guys with their frost axes, and when somebody gets lit up with a frost axe that these guys don't kill outright since these guys are actually... These guys kill most standard troops in one swing, or a couple in one swing, depending on how they ran, run out. But uh, seeing a, an entire warjack freeze up and these guys just hammer into it like some disturbing lumberjacks, uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty impressive. And these guys are elite above the elites, so always good to have a couple of these guys with your troops. But let's go over the Mark III to Mark IV changes, shall we? Alrighty, appears their stat line is basically the same. Um, speed 4, Mat 7, Rat 5, Defense. Their defense actually dropped down to 10, making these guys more like a Warjack and Kodor. Uh, their armor actually went up to an 18, and we will see why in a moment, and the moment is nigh. So, they remove Shield Wall between Mark 3 and Mark 4, and instead of Shield Wall, well, Instead of it being like the shield wall where they have to get, be given an order to shield wall, shield walls now, whenever they're within base to base with each other, it's an automatic, so it's not an actual order. So, and it's an automatic, it gives you a plus two to your armor, and you can't be knocked down, so it's actually an upgrade to shield wall a little bit. 
um, but it actually gets these guys up to an armor 20. And if you have any Warcasters that are able to give these guys additional armor, having these guys run in with an armor 22 is pretty... Well, they're not going to be hurt unless something really heavy is trying to hit them. Also, they were now given three weapons instead of their original two. So they still have their shield cannon, which is a range 6, PAL 14 uh, gun that they can shoot in melee. Because, well, that makes sense to be able to shoot with a shield gun in melee because you're already going to be in melee. Uh, they have their Annihilator Blade, still a PAL 14 and reach two, but then they're actually given their shield as an actual melee weapon too, so they actually have two melee attacks, which is great for a model with mat seven. You really want to get them in there to do some real damage. And then their officer stat line is basically the same as well, except for the changes in defense and armor. Um, the mat is still eight, defense now 10, armor now 18. Um, of course, they remove shield wall from them, but they have the shield wall, normal stuff. Uh, they removed the assault because now they have been granted dual attack because of the officer. So now they can actually make all of their attacks in melee as well, or just all of their attacks in general. Um, looks like they kept sturdy as well. So these guys cannot be pushed. And then, of course, shield wall now innately keeps them from being knocked down. So they removed their was it steady so yeah so these guys are basically the same a little bit better these guys actually have a lot heavier damage output than they did before but their unit size did release down to or did get nerfed down to three guys in the unit plus their unit attachment so you get four guys that are all very dangerous to go up against so good for them but let's move on man of war bombardiers they provide all the benefits of mobile artillery battery without requiring support to protect them. An enemy whom comes too close will find that bombardiers are dangerous at any range. Man of War bombardiers blast apart the enemy as they wade into enemy gunfire that would annihilate less armored troops. Each bombardier is armed with an enormous chain blade that is revved into motion once the Man of War closes with the enemy. These blades inflict grievous wounds on flesh and blood. Opponents and their distinctive bone-rattling buzz fills the enemies with dread. Mounted above the chain blade is a powerful grenade launcher, which propels hand-loaded grenade rounds into unfriendly forces. These can be fired at acute ranges to rain death on targets far behind enemy's front lines. Along with their fellow Man of War soldiers, the bombardiers make up for the core of Kodor's heavy shock troopers. They move at the slow pace of all who wear the huge steam-powered armored suits, but the impressive range of their grenade launchers more than compensate for their lack of speed. A line of bombardiers ponderously advance, firing their grenades like mobile artillery. By the time these metal-encased warriors reach the enemy and close in for the kill, their opponents are scattered and shell-shocked. Finally, Remaining foes are deafened by the roar of the chain blades chewing through flesh and steel. Enemy troops are horrified to see the Man of War bombardiers tear apart even heavily armored warjacks like a pack of wolves savaging their prey. And I've worked with these guys too as well. Their range on this weapon actually gives them a lot of mobility in a way, just because even though these guys are only speed four as most Man of War are, their ability to rain down arcing fire onto the enemy more than makes up for that speed. And they're actually shooting 
something similar to the Destroyer's cannon, except a little bit less range because it's not being shot out of an actual gun. It's being shot out of a, well, basically a uh, grenade launcher. So, but let's read the Bombardier's Officer. Man of War Bombardier Officer. The officer of the Bombardier Corps leads their soldiers to seize victory in the name of the motherland. Each has spent a lifetime on the battlefield, raining fiery death on the heads of the enemies. This wealth of experience lets the officers direct their units in cunning maneuvers, like slashing through thick underbrush with their steam-powered saws to flank the enemy's emplacements before unleashing a hail of explosives with unrelenting precision. And, of course, these guys are always very experienced with their weapons and with their troops. So, yeah, these guys are just good to have around as well because they give them just that slight more edge that bombardiers didn't need, but they're going to get anyway. Alrighty, let's talk about their Mark III to Mark IV changes. And, as always, guess what? Not much has changed with these guys. Except, their speed's still the same, mat's still the same... But their rat actually went up to a six, which makes sense since these guys are technically a ranged unit. So that makes sense. Their defense dropped down to 10. I think most of the Man of Wars dropped down to 10. Armor went up to 17. And these guys were given combined ranged attack as a unit ability. So that is phenomenal. Uh, their range on their weapon, their grenade cannon, actually went up to a range of 12. Um, AOE of 2. And power 14 and 8. Um, still has arcing fire and their chain blades still have critical shred. So not really that much changed outside of them getting two more inches worth of range. And their defense dropping in armor going up. And of course their rat going up. But let's go over their officer as well. Right, speed is still 4. Matt is still 8. Their rat actually went up to a, well, 7. I think it's always been a 7, but it's a 7 now. Uh, defense dropped down to 10. Armor is still 17. They It's no longer called Clear Cut that gives them Pathfinder. They just granted Pathfinder because that makes more sense. Uh, they still have their Support Fire, which means if they, use their, oh, if they use their movement to aim, they get to shoot twice, once per game. Um, they still have a Quick Work, so if they kill somebody with their Chainsaw, they can take a shot. Uh, and still repairable as well. And then, of course, he still has all the same weapons that, that the rest of his unit have as their grenade cannon and their chain blade. So, yeah, pretty much the same exact unit. Uh, just slightly smaller with the three model max plus the unit leader. So, that works for us. Let's go over the Manowar Demolition Corps. Jarvan raised his shield in time to block the hammer's blow but both the shield and helm exploded in a thousand frozen pieces. It was a small mercy. Captain Fend Hawkwood of the Signaran Sword Knights on the encounter with the Demolition Corps. The steam-powered Manowar Demolition Corps is the premier siege assault force of the Kadoran army. Each member of the Corps wields an enormous, mechanically enhanced ice maul developed in Rigveda Complex in Korsk. These mauls shimmer with a super-cooled air and are able to flash-freeze metal or flesh on contact. Armor shatters into lacerating shrapnel when the Man of War brings the hammer down, leveraging the suit's ogren-like strength along with the long shaft the mauls can cripple a warjack or explode even the thickest stone to dust in a few precise strikes. 
Few men can survive a direct impact. Even the glancing blow causes frostburn and splintered bone. When the Man of War armor was first developed, the High Command intended to prove that the challenges of siege warfare could be solved with brute force embodied by these living steamjacks. And even now, only the toughest troops can handle the armor. Every soldier volunteering to join the Corps is required to pass a grueling obstacle course nicknamed the Crusher, a three-day test of endurance, discipline, and strength. Those who emerge successful are transformed. The Corps charges across the battlefield when unleashed, relying on their armor to shrug off the enemy fire as they close with the enemy. They pound warjacks to scrap, annihilate lesser soldiers, and shatter perimeter walls with the mauls they carry at the ready. Theirs is a brotherhood of discipline and courage. Soldiers will transform into unstoppable mechanical forces on the battlefield. And I've seen these guys clear warjacks in one failed charge. These guys are powerhouses even compared to the rest of these guys because these guys can really do some crazy damage with those hammers when given the opportunity and to win the charge. So, yeah keep these guys with you because these guys are good to have on your side not good to go up against if you can avoid it alrighty and let's discuss of the only man of war demolition corps officer that well basically exists sergeant dragos dragadovich and that should make you worry that there is only one officer for the man of war demolition corps in another life dragos dragadovich may have been the foremost manhunter to emerge from the forest of Strigov, or the barbarian warlord with thousands of warriors sworn to him. Born in a modest trapping village, his youth was spent defending his family's homestead from wild beasts. Dragos had never been seen in a city until his conscription, at which point his size and curiosity let him easily qualify as a man of war. Unlike others of his rank, Dragos does not command a dedicated unit. Instead, he is given special assignments, traveling between commands as the war effort demands. And that should be terrifying enough because, well, this guy is huge and you don't usually see a, a demolition core guy wield dual hammers because it's a long shafted weapon that's usually double handed. So yeah, this guy is a ginormous, but let's go over his Mark III to Mark IV changes. Alrighty, and the Mark III to Mark IV changes. The Demolition Corps has actually seen a lot of changes over the years, actually. Um, the original stuff, these guys used to have special attacks, one of them being backswing that allowed them to attack twice, and then icebreaker, which allowed them to gain additional die on damage. So, which would have been awesome. However, it did create quite a bit of confusion, so they've been narrowed up. But let's go over their stats. They're still a, a speed of four, so of a mat seven. Defense, of course, dropped down to 10. Armor is up to a 17. And of course, every man of war is repairable. I don't know if I mentioned that. The lore kind of talks about it. Mechanics can fix these guys. But their eye small, to narrow up the stuff, was given critical freeze, so on a critical hit, the eye, the guy they hit is now stationary. And then they also were given shatter, so if they hit somebody who's stationary, they get an additional damage die on that damage roll, which is astounding, especially since their eye small has actually gone up to a power 16 instead of the original power 14. So these guys are devastating if they charge somebody who's frozen at the time, and if you're running with Sorska of the Man of War variety, 
Uh, she freezes people pretty easily, so having these guys with her makes them damage output a four die, a four die on a charge, which should be terrifying in its own sense. So I feel like these guys have gotten better because they hit harder and you don't have to worry about all the finicky what special attacks are you using because well you already know what attack they're going to use so that's great but let's go over dragos as well all right dragos's stat line still the same except for the dropping the defense down to a 10 and raising the armor to a 17 which you know that was necessary to need um he still has bond brotherhood which allows once per game you to take whatever damage is hit on one guy and have it spread out among all of your guys. Um, instead of defensive line, of course, it's been upgraded to shield wall because that's easier. And because uh, defensive line only gave you a plus two defense and for a model that has such low defense to begin with, a plus two is not going to make that much difference. But a plus two armor on a guy who already has a 17 armor. See, there you go. But uh, he still has his granted vengeance so if any of your guys are damaged at the beginning of the maintenance phase these guys can move three inches and make a swing so basically not much has changed outside of these guys except for these guys are swinging this guy is swinging at two ice malls instead of one so two for the price of one so two power 16 dice for charges with sorshka freezing up people before they get in there yeah, makes this unit super terrifying to go up against. And at a arm of a 19 now, if they're next to each other, makes them even more, well, they last a lot better. So great for them. But let's move on. Man of War Draken. Kodor Dragoon Solo. The fools claim the day of the horse is past. How could one look upon such unstoppable fury and see anything less than the destiny of our people? The father of the man of war. So these guys are basically everything terrifying about the man of war, and then you increase their speed to seven. So super crazy. In the centuries past, the Dracon was a mighty mounted warrior clad in the heavy plate. A champion of the modern age, the Man of War Draken rides into battle in steam-powered armor, astride a towering Carpathian Destrier, uniting the ancient tradition of Ulan heroes with the armor and weaponry of the Man of War. The Draken is a mechanical force of destruction, able to fight even at his mount should fall. Charging into battle faster than any warjack, the Draken is a maelstrom in the Kadoran vanguard. These powerful warriors are not trained or chosen, but destined to be Drakens from birth. Only the most powerful warriors gifted with the Olin blood and born and raised in the saddle are able to petition to become a Draken. Even then, the Draken must train inexhaustibly by first becoming a man of war, once he has learned the ways of his steam armor, he must train his Carpathian Distrier himself before taking the steed into battle. The immense power of the broad-shouldered Carpathian Distrier is legendary among the Olins of Kodor and the warhorse dwarves any other mounts across Imorin. In the Draken's hands, the powerful beast is as much a weapon as the mechanical axe and cannon he bears into battle. The charge of the Draken's mount can pound men flat, crush bone, and mash flesh into gory paste beneath heavy iron shod hooves. Yeah, these guys are a powerhouse, and these guys get behind enemy lines quick because at their speed on a horse, 
And how the heck do you figure a horse can carry a man of war? That just is some crazy Kadoran logic there. I imagine, you know, everything's bigger in Kodor kind of situation. But yeah, these, these guys are terrifying. They're basically shock troopers on mounts that are a lot better with their weapon. And then they have a horse attached to it. So yeah, terrifying guy. Let's read over their Mark III to Mark IV changes. And these guys have gone through some changes from their Mark III to Mark IV. Um, let's go over some stuff that's still the same. They're still a, starting off, they're still a speed 7 until they're knocked off. Then they drop down to a 4. Uh, still a mat 8, which is awful. Um, still a defense 10. Um, their armor actually went up. So while they're mounted, their armor is now 20. Plus their shield or their their shield cannon, which gives them additional plus two armor, gives them up to 22 armor. And then when they are dismounted, their armor drops down to 18, plus their shield gets them back up to a 20 armor as well. And due to most of the other changes, these guys lost their mount as a weapon. Unfortunately, I feel like they just removed the mount from most other things that use the mount as a weapon. Um, this guy has been given his shield as a weapon, so he can use his shield as a weapon. Um, his shield cannon is still a range 6, power 14, also can be used in melee because it does have that ability. His annihilator axe is still a, a power 14 plus his weapon master. And his shield is now a, just a power 11 shield. Um, and dismounted, it's all pretty much the same. Um, this guy still has his reposition and he still has steady. Uh, the thing this guy lost was his counter charge. So they are trying to streamline the game and counter charge kind of slowed things up. So that is the only thing removed. This guy. Oh, and because they removed his mount, he no longer has critical knockdown, unfortunately. So if you're looking forward to that, it has been lost in Mark IV. But let's move on. Man of War Kovnik. My men follow me because they know I will lead them nowhere I will not be willing to go first, no matter the danger. Kovnik Igor Pidoviv. The Man of War Kovnik is a standard by which the Kadoran High Command judges its officers. Fearless, patriotic, a true leader of men, these officers command from the front. Their many tours of service earn them invaluable expertise in the capabilities and limitations of their steam-powered mechanical armor. The Kovnik's expertise in the use of the Man of War armor allows them to follow the war jacks they command into the most dangerous parts of battle. Expert jack handlers, Kovniks can direct their attacks with intimidating precision. Such close work with their jacks has taught them how to best take advantage of their own mechanically augmented armor. Its resilience and strength in such of these expert warriors can plod forward and slam into enemy combatants with the force of a small warjack. Years of service among the heavily armored shock troops and demolition corps forges the Kovniks into steely weapons of battle. These officers are trusted to lead battalions and sometimes entire legions. When the Kovnik leads, he does so as one of the finest officers in the Kadoran army. Marching alongside their comrades, Kovniks execute their battle plans mercilessly and efficiently. Even veteran warcasters trust the judgment and leadership abilities of Kovniks. The few things inspire soldiers more than seeing their leaders at the vanguard of an assault. The High Command knows these officers will achieve victory if it is humanly possible and the troops they command know their lives will not be sacrificed carelessly. And Kovniks are definitely a staple in most Kadoran armies because these guys are great 
at helping the fellow Kadoran Man of War units move around, actually. So these guys are pretty awesome. Also, if you get these guys into combat, they like being in combat. They're really good at it because their weapons allow them to do all sorts of mayhem to the enemy. And the fact that these guys are Jack Marshals allows them to run their own Warjack. So they can be far away from a Warcaster and still run some heavy damage onto the enemy, which I always like playing these guys more forward because well, Man of War like being in the thick of it. So let's see the Mark III to Mark IV changes. Alrighty, let's go over their stats. They are still a Speed 4. They are still a Mat 8. They're still a Rat 6. Defense still a 10. Armor actually went up to an 18 plus 2 for their shield to get them up to a 20 armor. Fantastic. Makes these guys even more dangerous on the battlefield. They still have their slam ability, making them like a warjack. They still have the ability to jack marshal, although jack marshaling has changed a little bit. Um, not entirely sure off the top of my head, but the special moves that you could do in Mark III have changed, so please check that out in the uh, book. They still have their their axe cannon, which is still a range 8 and a POW 14, and it's able to use in melee as well, making these guys even more dangerous with all of their weapons. They still have their axe cannon is still a 15, and their shield is still an 11, making these guys pretty terrible to fight up against. And they can still give Man of War's Desperate Pace, which gives them a plus 2 to their movement. Uh, he no longer has the Drive Assault, which gives Warjacks under his command the Assault ability. And he no longer has Assault himself. Um, I imagine that's because he has Dual Attack. So that kind of makes up for having to burn off Assault on the model. Uh, also, he is... A little bit more expensive, but he is a little bit heavier armored, so his survivability on the battlefield is still pretty dang high. But that's basically it. He's outside of losing assault. He's still the same Kovnik he was in Mark III, so that is great to have. But let's move on. Grey Lord Forge Seer, Kodor Manowar Solo. The Forge Seer are a special order within the Grey Lord Covenants, whose members are masters not only of the arcane lore, but also the intricacies of mechanical formulae and schematics, particularly as they pertain to the fabrication of warjacks. As the arcane mechanics of the Covenant, the Forge Seer both develop and maintain mechanica for use in the battlefield. It is through their efforts that the majority of the Kadoran military-grade cortexes are created, each a layered crucible or a group of rune plates distilling the complex and intricate lore gathered over multiple generations of Grey Lords. More than just craftsmen, foresters also take to the battlefield alongside the warjacks they help to create. These heavily armored Grey Lords apply their knowledge of magical and mechanical to imbue the weapons of warjacks with power needed to cut down unnatural foes who are more than flesh and steel. Clad in man -of war armor, Greylord Forge Seers charge into battle with the hiss of steam in their ears and the chill of winter on their fingertips. Whether unleashing the unforgiving ice magic of the Covenant to stop the Empire's foes in their tracks or crushing the opposition beneath the weight of ten-ton warjacks, the Greylord Forge Seers turn even the modest military presence into a potent fighting force. Starting in the glow of the forges of another land's foundries, these seers perceive many victories to come. 
And weirdly enough, I've never been in a Man of War force that had a Forge Seer, although having a Man of War who can cast spells and run a Warjack is basically kind of like a Warcaster a little bit, maybe not as good, you know, definitely not Sorska, but it's still very useful to have that magic output on the battlefield far away from a Warcaster if you can have it. So always a good thing to have in a army. But let's go over the Mark 3 to Mark 4 changes on these guys because there has been a few. Alrighty, their stat list has changed slightly. Well, or not really. It just depends on how you look at it. Their speed is still 4. Their magic attack is still a 7. Their mat is still a 6. They don't have any ranged attacks, so they don't have a range. Their defense is 10, armor is 17, they're immune to um, frost magic, which is great, and they're still a jack marshal, which is phenomenal. They still have a battle wizard, um, so if they kill somebody, they get to cast a spell for free. Uh, they lost their dark sigil, which automatically gave warjacks in their command uh, blessed and magic weapons, so unfortunately that is gone. Um, they still have, on their spell list, they still have the Empower spell, so they can still give a Warjack one focus and remove Disruption. They still have Hoarfrost, which is a range 8 AoE 2, power 14, 8 Arcane attack that causes cold damage and on critical, they freeze. Um, appears their Winter's Wind has been replaced, so they no longer have the Freezer ability or freezer spell uh, looks like it's been replaced with sigils of power uh, target friendly model slash unit with if the unit is in range their weapons become magical so I imagine that's a little bit like the dark sigils maybe not as good since you lose the blessed but that is unfortunate and their weapon is still a magic weapon that causes critical freeze and is a POW 14 range 2. So still very dangerous to have. I imagine they removed the freezer just because him plus the demolition core uh, would be a lot of people that are able to freeze people. So very dangerous indeed. But let's move on. Man of War Strike Tanker. A new addition to the ranks of the Man of War Core. The Man of War Tanker Armor which stands on the same level as a heavy warjack, was developed by Kodor to counter the heavier firepower being brought to the battlefields by their enemies. The strike tanker capable of not only unleashing powerful attacks against enemy targets, but also protects itself and fellow soldiers with its massive tower shields. The strike tanker is deployed when facing heavy armor or an enemy entrenched in heavily defended fortifications. Both the anti-infantry suppression tanker and the strike tanker share in a large and extremely thick tower shields, while its main purpose is to protect the tanker and fellow soldiers behind from projectiles and shrapnel, it can also be a powerful weapon. The shield combined with the sheer power of a tanker armor allows it to charge into enemies crushing and bashing enemy troops, bulldozing buildings, and even cracking open the hull of heavy warjacks with a swipe of its tower shield. Unlike the suppression tanker, the strike tanker is designed to defeat armored targets such as fortifications or warjacks. For this, its armor with its shoulder-mounted slug cannon. The slug cannon is a high-caliber armor-piercing cannon fed by five-chambered rotating cylinders with ammunition hoppers that automatically reload empty chambers. The slug cannon harnesses steam from the strike tanker's boiler and dual-pressure chambers. 
at full power, the slug cannon can breach bunker walls and fortifications with ease, and it's effective against more mobile targets such as battle engines and can do even considerable damage against colossals. Yeah, I've never seen one of these. These guys are relatively new. I think I was out of the field by the time these guys came out. But I've read on these guys and their track record is pretty astounding so far because, yeah, these guys are, well, the bombardiers are like walking, you know, artillery, but these guys are literal, you know, straight through the armor type of folks. So, yeah, very dangerous. And these guys run solo, so you can get quite a few of these guys running in an army. But let's read their Mark 3 to Mark 4 changes. Alrighty, their stat line is still a Speed 4, Mat 7, Rat 6, Defense 9. Their armor actually went up to an 18. Um, in Mark 4, they were given breakthrough, so they can't be, their attacks cannot be removed by attack opportunity, all that stuff. So they can just move straight through models without having any kind of issues, especially since they have, they still have bulldoze, so they can push models out of the way. Uh, in Mark IV, they were given steady, and they were given sturdy, so they can't be knocked down, they can't be pushed. Um, they remove dual attack, well, the dual attack special ability off this model, because now they have dual attack as their, well, normal ability. And their weapon is still an armor piercer, still does a range 12, POW 8, they can use it in melee, so that's great, that was added. Uh, they still cause Grievous Wounds, and it's still technically a siege weapon, so it gets an additional die, damage die against huge base models. Also, their shield is still a Mat 7 POW 12, and they have two of them, so it technically gives them a plus 4 armor, getting these guys up to an armor of 22, and for a guy with Bulldoze, Breakthrough, and Dual Attack, you, these guys just walk through enemy lines like they're not even there. So, yeah very scary especially if you if your opponent fields colossals these guys can tear right through them so very scary let's move on man of war suppression tanker utilizes the new tanker steam armor developed in response to the more destructive armaments and engines of war that kodor now finds itself against standing nearly the level of a heavy warjack suppressor tankers protect their comrades with massive shields and laying down heavy support fire that can mercilessly gun down ranks of enemy infantry. The suppressive tanker is armed with a massive tower shield and a pair of volley guns. The volley guns is a multiple barreled light cannon that fires cartridges equivalent to the high velocity rounds of rifles, slightly heavier than the ones used by the Winter Guard Rifle Corps. The volley gun can either fire single barrel or rapid succession or multiple barrels simultaneously and the weapon feeds as rotary drum that sequentially reloads each of the barrels in combat however this ammunition drum cannot easily be replaced in the field and wield paired volley guns to compensate for limited ammunition but sometimes unleashing a storm of lead into a concentration of the enemy rather than conserving ammo can have a devastating effect on the enemy's morale Tankers also use a massive tower shield and their armor itself as a powerful weapon, charging to the ranks of enemies and brutally crushing them, bulldozing buildings and even cracking open holes of heavy warjacks with a swipe of its tower shield. And let's go over its Mark III to Mark IV changes because, well, 
we got to. And like its cousin, these guys have not changed all that much. Well, they have changed a little bit, but they're very similar to one another. Their stat line is still the same, still speed four. Mat seven, rat six, defense nine, although their armor has gone up to an 18. And like the guy before us, they were given the ability to walk through models without having any kind of issues. Well, walk through without being attacked or anything like that. And then they were giving dual attack on top of that. Uh, these guys still have bulldoze and they were given steady and sturdy so they can't be pushed, can't be knocked down. And their volley gun has a little change. They removed covering fire. I think they removed that through the entire Mark IV. Uh, he still has full blast, so he still you can have the special attack. Um, that its range is now a 10, and it's a power 14 spray. So yeah, you can clear out entire lines of troopers with that pretty dang easily. And they still have volley fire, so they still get an additional boosted die against warrior models. So these guys line up on warrior models with that blast. Yeah, say no more, they're gone. Um, their normal weapons, though, without the special attack, is a range 10 D3 rate of fire at a POW 10, and you can use it in melee as well. And then with their shield, uh, it's still a POW 12, and there it greases their armor up to a 22. So, yeah, these guys walk through and do what they do best. So keep these guys in it, especially if you're going up against things like Cricks that like to use lots of trooper models. Because these guys will just mow them down like they're not even there. Let's move on. Commandant Artanis Arkanovich is a veteran of the Kadoran army and leader of the recently formed Kadoran Armored Corps. He abides by the principles that a true commandant must lead his soldiers from the front to provide an example of patriotism and bravery and to inspire them to great deeds. He believes an effective order must be simple, direct, and concise because soldiers cannot be blamed for his superior's inability to efficiently convey his commands. In all of the attitudes, Arkanovich found his priorities mirrored by the similarity recently promoted Sorska Kratikov, with whom he shares leadership responsibilities, and together they seek to bring the Corps to a new height. And this is another man I've heard about, but I've never actually got to see in battle, but having a commandant along with all the Kovniks in the Man of War make these guys even more dangerous, especially someone as notable as Atanis. So but let's read his Mark III to Mark IV changes, shall we, and see if anything actually moved. And the short answer, a little bit. Long answer, not really. So their armor actually, of course, went up one point. So their armor is still a 17. Oh, also, this guy is a unit because it is him plus a standard. Because when you're a leader, you have to have a flag around you because that's how leadership works. And uh, so speed four, mat eight, rat six, defense 10, armor now 17. Uh, his weapons are the same, still a hand cannon at a range 12, POW 12. He still carries a great sword um, with a 2-inch range and POW 15. Uh, his standard bearer is still, still has a POW 13 on their weapon. His standard bearer's abilities have changed a little bit, uh, being that he is now a rallying point. So while this model is in play, increase... Arkanovich's battle plans by three inches, so it actually just increases his uh, his range of normally five inches up to an eight inch, while the standard is still there. Uh, and then, of course, he is also repairable. 
However, the things that have not really changed would be his battle plans. He still has basically heroic call. Um, they call it flat fight to the last, and it still gives a model slash unit tough. Um, his relentless tide is now just March. So instead of it being a relentless charge, uh, it just automatically gives whatever unit he puts it on Pathfinder. And then Unstoppable Fury is still the same. So it basically gives a Man of War model slash unit retaliatory strikes. So that's always a very useful. And then he still has Tactician. So outside of his armor going up one and the standard bearer giving him a plus three inches to his his battle plans. Um, yeah, he's pretty much the same. So this guy actually just got better and yeah, just got better and more simple to use in the future. So I recommend having this unit in any large Man of War force because you can really get some good output on Man of Wars with this guy around. But let's move on. Alrighty, we're going to be reading from one of the guys from the archives of the Hermit of Hinchhold. Um, his name is Bulkhead. Bulkhead was a nickname given to this Man of War breacher, mostly due to his repeating use of his head as a battering ram during the attacks on fortified structures. With no armored core left to follow, Bulkhead began traveling the wastes, doing what he does best, breaking things and keeping tinier things behind him from being broken. Yeah, pretty simple, pretty basic and he actually carries a huge shield. So let's see his Mark III to Mark IV changes and see what he's got. All right, his speed is a four, Matt's still eight, Rat's still six, defense still 10, armor went up to 18. And we'll start off with his weapons. He got gunfighter on his weapon. So his salt off shot cannon um, can now shoot into melee. Uh, its range increased to a spray eight and its power was nerfed down to power 14, probably because of the increased range. Um, and he still has his riot shield, so he still gets his plus two armor, getting him up to a total of 20 armor. He still had, he still has bulldoze, still has dual attack. He still has his ability to slam. He still has his ability to follow up a slam. He still has his shield guard ability. And it appears he, they removed immovable objects so he can be pushed, thrown, and all that stuff. But they added mark target, which I feel might... It seems a little weird to this guy, but I imagine Privateer Press had a reason for it. Or it's just a glitch and they put it in there. But other friendly faction models within... Gain plus two range attacks against enemy models within five of this one. Maybe it's because he makes a lot of noise. Maybe because it's making all sorts of all sorts of ruckus and they can hear him. But you know that could be it. Uh, other than that, looks like they removed his dual shot. Uh, but of course, his range attack actually went down to a rate of fire one instead of two. So that's probably why that got removed and they just increased the range on it. I don't know. They probably had a reason for it. But that's it. Let's move on. And then Kodor asks, what would make something better than a tanker? Well, let's make it a chariot. And let's read what the War Machines or the Iron Kingdom's wiki has to say about the Man of War chariots, and then we'll get into the two variants for these chariots. Man of War chariots are Kodoran battle engines that combined and refined modern and old technologies. These thickly armored carriages are driven by powerful war horses, protected by heavy barding originally developed for the Draken protecting it from the enemy fire while controller is further protected by his steam-powered man-of-war armor. Charioteers 
must manage not only the task of driving their vehicles, but also the effective use of the heavy artillery they carry. They ride at the flanks of companies, acting as mobile heavy weapon platforms devastating enemy forces. Based on their weapons and roles, chariots come in two variants, the Assault Chariot and the Siege Chariot. The augmented strength of Man of War armor allows the controller to manually operate the chariot's heavy artillery, but also slightly increases the time taken to respond to smaller movements. Thus, they also train to anticipate enemy movements and take the speed of the carriage into account so they can perfectly time their attack. The massive horses can also negotiate the battlefield with minimal guidance, allowing the controller to concentrate on unleashing firepower of the heavy weapons against the enemies of the motherland. Let's first talk about the Assault Chariot. Used in the anti-infantry role, the Assault Chariot is armed with a rapid-firing barrage gun, a multi-barreled cannon loaded with explosive shells capable of shredding through even the heaviest infantry armor. They are used to massacre infantry by either charging or at retreating enemies or trampling and crushing them, or unleashing the hail of bullets from its automatic barrage gun. Similar to the Siege Chariot's it also equipped with a rear-mounted bracing arms. Well, that sounds devastating, especially Man of Wars on top of chariots with even bigger guns. But let's read their Mark III to Mark IV changes and see if there is any. And let's read over their stats, and I feel like they've actually made these guys a little bit simpler, so you can use them a little bit better. Speed 7, of course, because it is a chariot. Mat 7, Rat 6. And armor 19, defense 9. Of course, these guys do not have very heavy armor. Well, technically it's super heavy, but we'll move on from that. Uh, their weapons still include the barrage gun. It's been reduced down to a range 10 D3, AOE 2, POW 12, or 10. So it can shoot up to 3, has an AOE of 2, so it can hit the model plus 2 additional models within 2. So, a little bit nerfy, but, you know, that does happen sometimes. Um, they are actually way cheaper at 10 points instead of the original 14, so that's probably probably where you're getting the stuff there. And then they are given the weapon trampling hoofs, which is a melee mat 7, POW 15, and has the knockdown effect. Not critical knockdown, knockdown. So if it hits anything in melee, automatically knockdown. Also, it's very useful that they were given this because they have dual attack. Uh, they were given a breakthrough, so that means they can no longer be hit by, well, they no longer suffer any penalties from, you know, running past enemy troops. They were given the trample ability so they can run over people. They still have pathfinder ability. Uh, looks like they removed line breaker and they still have reposition three. Also their barrage gun, well, I suppose with the new Mark IV, with their, when they give you what the blast damage is, uh, it no longer has high explosive because we already know the blast damage is going to be 10 on that anyway. So there you go. But uh, yeah, just more simplified and more cheaper. So you can actually run more battle engines in your army for a little bit less cost. So that is great. I imagine that is because for the some of the larger... Uh, battles that you can go into you can actually get free battle engines if your opponent has a battle engine you can get a battle engine but neither of you have to pay for it if you guys are even so that is a fun adaptation to another larger army style but let's go over the next one
Man of War Siege Chariot. The Siege Chariot is equipped with an exceptional, powerful, but short-range direct shot breaching cannon. It's slug capable of smashing through fortress walls as well as heavy warjack armor. Thus it is used to blast away fortifications and well-armored objects. Compared to the Assault Chariot, they employ more reserve tactics and hide itself and nearby allies in smoke screens created by its smoke grenade launchers while advancing until it gains a position where they can have full use of its power. It is also equipped with a rear-mounted bracing arm that are lowered to the earth and help it absorb recoil when firing. And again, I've never actually seen one of these guys. Um, I'm not sure how well these guys line up with like the battle chariots of the Winter Guard because that battle engine can lay down some amazing firepower. But let's read over the Mark III to Mark IV changes. And it appears they made it better. So stats include still speed 7, still a mat 7, still a rat 6, um, still a defense 9, armor 19. Um, it was given the ability to break through, so it's no longer affected by anybody trying to make free strikes against it, or not free strikes anymore, but given the negative effect on it. Um, still has Pathfinder. It was given Trample, so that's great. Um, it still has dual attacks, so that's awesome as well. It's heavy cannon, the one that it's so well known for, has been increased to a range of 12 and has the ability to shoot while in melee. And it was, and it's a power 20. So this guy can knock down some hard to hit targets if you can hit them or just knock down people and just make it, you know, easier for everybody to hit them. But, you know, that is a, a nice little add on to that guy. And it appears they kept its automatic smite and its mounts automatic knockdown as well. So that is a great for this guy. They removed line breaker from this guy as well. And he still has his reposition three and he still has his smoke launcher. So he can still place his three inch cloud template anywhere within five inches or completely within five inches of his position. So he can kind of block line of sight from people shooting at him which, you know, this guy definitely, well, he doesn't need it nearly as much since he has a range 12 now on his on his POW 20 cannon. My goodness. So he's doing some stuff. He also has reposition. Also, his point cost has been reduced down to 11 points, which makes him incredibly cheap for a chariot. So I recommend getting him. All righty, guys. Well, that looks like it is every Man of War from the Legacy in Mark 3 to Mark 4. So... That's all we got for class today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're still here, um, please leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you like playing Man of War Armies, because I know I do. Um, let me know if you have any cool stories. Also, please like, subscribe, let your friends and fellow gamers know about this podcast slash YouTube channel, because it does help the community grow and helps me keep on going and creating content for you guys and getting these courses out. Uh, also, thank you again to Private Your Press for letting us read their a fantastic lore. And as always, class dismissed.